you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith the size as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. There you go. There's the fancy dancy intro. All right. Created by one of our very own here at New Life. I would say to you that that is exceptional creativity. Amen. We've got some amazing people at our church with incredible gifts, and we're trying to use all of them all the time to the max of their ability. And so if you're not plugged into ministry, you're going to definitely want to do it. Well, hey, this is the beginning of a brand new teaching series. Um, it's, it's called Unstoppable. And what I want you to do is I want you to do something that's going to help you, um, you know, make sure that nothing stops you from hearing every one of the sermons in this teaching series. It's six weeks long. Get out your phone right now. Set an alarm for yourself to be at church on time for you know either the first service or the second service um, and just set it in there right now right just do it so six Sundays right right in a row and you might go well we're going to be on vacation on week three good let the alarm go off anyways it'll remind you that even while you're on vacation you can watch the service online I just did it last Sunday it's fantastic technology it's a great way for you to stay connected and stay involved with us if you happen to miss a Sunday you just can't watch it, you know, or whatever, then please remember that you can always go on demand, right? Our on demand part of our website will let you watch sermons from years ago. Um, you can still watch them now. And so you're going to want to make sure that you stay connected and go all the way through this teaching series with us. So make sure you set those alarms and nothing will stop you from coming to the unstoppable teaching series. Is that enough work, use of the word stop? Okay. Well, we're only getting started. Um, see, there's not stop getting started. Um, one thing for certain is true about humanity, all right? And that's our inherent desire to strive for invincibility or what we might call being unstoppable, right? There's a science that's out there uh, working feverishly to try to cure this new disease. You guys heard of this new disease? It's called aging, right? Um, aging is the new disease. Um, it's moved from just a process to a disease now, and science is working feverishly to figure out how to, how to cure it. There's even the, the science that, that's behind the, the cryonics. You know what that science is? That's where they take your body and they freeze it right after death down to 130 degrees, minus 130 degrees Celsius. Right? I don't even know what that is. I just know that's cold, okay? Because we're Fahrenheit people. So negative 130 degrees Celsius, that's cold. All with the desire that maybe somehow my frozen body will be ready and available when science finally catches up and knows how to cure me and bring me back to life. Yeah, I just don't know about the joints. Like, is they, are things going to work right? Are you going to be like the common day Frankenstein of the old school movies? You know, walking around just kind of like this. And the people are going to go, oh, you're one of the frozen dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was one of the frozen dudes. Um, you know, you can, you can do this. It only costs $200,000. That's it. $200,000 and your frozen body can be in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, if you don't have the $200,000, this might be appropriate, may not be appropriate for church. But you can freeze your head only for 80000 any takers? Okay. 
These are true stories. This is the real stuff right now. You can freeze your head for $80,000 so that somewhere in the future, they might be able to you cure um, and be able to figure out how to regenerate a new body out of your very DNA and then stick your frozen cranium right on top of that new body. That's going to be weird, people. That's just weird, right? And this is all coming from our endeavor to be an unstoppable people. Now, we've accomplished some great achievements with the same attitude as well, that we just want to be invincible and unstoppable. And we've sent spacecraft all the way through our known solar system, and it's, you know, you know escaped out the backside and it's exploring the unknown areas of space as we sit here. We put men on the moon. We're trying to put people on Mars so that if something happens to this earth, mankind is invincible and just keeps living on. We've reached the deepest depths of our oceans. We've climbed to the highest summits that are on the earth. We've even wingsuit fly, fly off of mountain cliffs. Anybody ever seen that before? These suits that they put on, they look like squir- flying squirrels and they jump off of a mountain and they go flying out away from the mountain until they get to a certain altitude and they pull the parachute cord. Anybody want to do that? Right on. Well, you guys that want to do that, please set up an appointment with Johnny. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the mental condition. Um, just joking, I would like to do it as long as there was a guarantee that there would be no death at the end. Um, we spend money like there's no tomorrow in our desire for our invincibility. Like we don't think about the consequences, we just do it today. In our search for being unstoppable and an invincible people, we have created our very own demise. Right now, it's estimated that 15,000 nuclear warheads are ready for action at any one given moment. And studies have shown that all we need to do is launch 100 of them to set the Earth back a 20-year moment where some parts of the Earth will be inhabitable, some parts of the Earth couldn't grow any more food. Just a 100 of them launched. We've created these things out of our desire to be invincible, like nothing is going to stop me from trying to live forever. But we have a lifespan of 79 years right now. 79 years and we live right up to the last day with an invincible attitude as if we are completely unstoppable But that goes totally against what god's word says in genesis chapter 6 verse 3 God says this to us all he goes my spirit shall not abide in man forever For he is flesh you and me. We're just flesh. All right. God's different. God's spirit Says that we're flesh his days shall be numbered to 120 years Now, we need to make something massively clear, and we need to make a massive change in our life. We ourselves are not invincible, and we're not unstoppable. We aren't. We need to change that from us to God is invincible. God is unstoppable. That nothing can come against him. Nothing can stop him. He's unstoppable. There is no power greater than God. There is no entity greater than God. Nothing is more powerful than him. So for 79 years, we toil, we struggle, we fight our way through challenges and trials, and we work ourselves all the way to death trying to overcome them. But it's time for us today to wake up and to remind ourselves of the authentic, unstoppable power of God. It's time for our faith to really engage and to put ourselves in the crosshairs of the power of an unstoppable God. It's time to let our minds be blown again by how powerful and incredible God is today. That's why for six weeks, we're going to beat the drum and try to remind ourselves and get planted down deep inside of our hearts and change the way that we see God. We're going to change the way we see God these next six weeks. We're going to start really entertaining the fact that God really is unstoppable and he can work in our lives. 
We're going to look at things like his creation because his creation screams of his unstoppable creativity. We're going to look at his word. We're going to look at the Bible because the Bible declares his unstoppable abilities. We're going to look at his son, Jesus Christ, who lived on this earth for such a short time, but he put on display the unstoppable power of God. And we're going to challenge ourselves to be believers who put on display the unstoppable power of God by doing one thing, and that is this, exercising extreme faith. Jesus had to say this, unfortunately, to his disciples one day when they were trying to have a miracle take place, but they couldn't, the miracle wouldn't happen. Jesus said this to them, you don't have enough faith. That's why the miracle didn't happen. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, or you could have said to that kid who was demon-possessed, move from here to there, and it would have moved. Read the last words with me. Because nothing would be... Seriously, read those last words with me. Nothing would be... Yes. That's what's going to have to start sinking into our hearts. Faith in our unstoppable God is what makes nothing impossible. My goal during this entire teaching series is going to be to challenge your faith to once again audaciously believe that God can do the impossible and to put your hope in an unstoppable God who has power beyond anything that you can imagine, fathom, write about, talk about. And we're going to do our best to try to wrap it up into six weeks As we go through God's word, we're using this unstoppable concept to be a filter on God's word and harness out of the scriptures these stories of the unstoppable power of God. They're going to blow our minds away. So are you ready to put on display God's unstoppable power? To do it, we got to go to God's word. And so last week, Pastor Chris was wrapping up our teaching series called The Dark Room. I heard from many of you that that teaching series was beneficial for your life. And I praise God for that. He was wrapping it up and he was talking about the the man, the prophet, Elijah. Elijah is a prophet from the Old Testament. If you want to start the journey of learning about this guy, he would be in 1 Kings chapter 17. I would highly recommend looking at 1 Kings chapter 17 and then tracking this guy's journey. He's just a radical, radical dude. Right? Elijah shows up on the scene and he shows up because he is prophesying to this king that there's going to be a drought. Now, people don't like those kind of prophecies. People don't like it when, you know, the prophet shows up and he says, there's going to be a drought and you're going to suffer. People like it when the prophet shows up and he says, hey, your life is awesome and it's going to get better, right? But when you say there's going to be a drought and everyone's going to suffer, God said to Elijah after that, you you need to go hide. Like, you got to go hide because these guys are going to try to kill you. I've got a spot for you. And so God sends him down to this creek and he says, I'm going to send ravens to feed you. This was all last week's stuff. So if you want to listen to it, again, MightyLifeChurch.com, click on demand, and you can watch last week's sermon, wrapping up the teaching series, Dark Room. So God takes care of him next to this creek, but beware of this. If you want to be a prophet for God, just know that sometimes your prophecies are going to affect you. So the creek that he's living next to, guess what? There's a drought. It dries up. (laughs) So isn't that interesting? The prophet has to prophesy and he has to experience the effect of the drought itself. And so God comes to him and he says, look, I'm not going to leave you alone. I've got a plan for you. And that's where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 17. I'll have the scriptures up on the screen. If you have your Bibles with you, though, you can start reading with me in verse 9. Here's what God says. Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sion. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. 
Now pause for a second. Instructing someone to do something in our terms and in our understanding would mean that God has spoke to a woman. She's ready for you to come. But you're going to find very quickly in this story that this woman has no clue of the mission. She has not heard God's voice. What this means to instruct is more of a statement of faith for Elijah than it is for the woman. It's for Elijah to know, I've prepared a way for you. You go there. I've already taken care of it. Right? I have prepared a way. I have instructed a way for you. And so that's kind of what we see here. So I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. Right? As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her. Oh, yes. Um, and by the way, I just, not just water, I've journeyed quite a long ways. Bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then, check this out, my son and I will what? Die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. First. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. But the woman's probably baffled because she's going, there's only enough to make one. What are you talking about? If I make it for you, how will there be any left for me? Verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So this woman's also being affected by the same drought. So, in verse 15, she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many days. Right? There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. As we're talking about this unstoppable God and his unstoppable power, when we look at this passage, there's something that jumps off the page at us, and that's this statement. To experience the unstoppable power of God, you must say, yes, to the faith opportunity just like the woman did right the woman was facing her very last meal and then she was saying we're going to die now just for a moment i want you to entertain this from a hu- a human perspective just put yourself into her shoes can you imagine the pain that's going through this mother's heart as she's thinking to herself i'm picking up these sticks and i'm making this meal and if my son dies before i die the next time i touch wood might be when i'm, mi- I'm building some kind of coffin for his body I'm picking up sticks, and the next time I touch wood will be when I bake his coffin. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the imagery that would, she would forever have blazed upon the retinas of her eyes, the memory banks of her mind, as her son might possibly die first of starvation? Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the desperateness of this woman as she's facing this situation? And the prophet hears her speak these words. He hears it. He sees the pain in her voice, uh, in her face, and he hears the pain coming from her voice. And yet he hears this, but yet he says to her, okay, I got it, but go do what you were planning on doing. Like, use the last sticks to use the last flour to use the last oil. Just give me the bread first. Just think for a moment what you would do if you were in that situation. Would you give it away or would you use it for yourself? Would you say yes to the faith opportunity 
Or would you have squandered that faith opportunity, missed the miracle of God, and just done what you were planning on doing? I mean, when you put yourself in that as a real human being, you can see the turmoil that's going on. But after she presents her case, she made the right choice, and she actually feeds the prophet. She feeds the man of God first. She took the handful of flour, the few drops of oil, and the sticks. She makes the bread, and she gives it away. And then to her surprise, when she goes back to make more, there's more flour, and there's more oil. So what does she do? She goes get some more sticks. She comes back. And she makes more bread for her and her son. And she's like, wow, that's amazing. I wonder if that's going to continue to happen. And then the Bible says that the three of them ate for many days to come. What a fantastic story of when you say yes to a faith opportunity, how God can move in your life. And Kim and I, our lives, we, we've experienced God doing amazing things at different seasons but it required us to say yes when we faced something like this woman where you didn't know what tomorrow would hold. 1994, we got out of our job and we went into full-time ministry. When we went to full-time ministry, we gave up a job that paid on the 1st and the 15th and we had all the medical care we needed for our four little kids. And we went to a place that could pay us nothing. We didn't know where our next paycheck would come from. We didn't know how God was gonna provide but we did it anyways. And we launched out there with a whopping $350 in our savings and checking account combined together. And we go to this little town called Valdez, Alaska as missionaries to start reaching the lost for the cause of Jesus Christ. I can say this to you. We always had enough. We never had extra, but we always had enough. And it's often that God takes me back to that year, to that moment. And he reminds me, did I provide? Yes, you did. I'll provide for you today, Jeff. Did you lack for anything? I lacked for nothing, God. You will lack for nothing in the future if you trust me and you put me first and you take that faith opportunity. I know personally what this woman is going through. When she gave up all that she had with nothing, nothing to grab a hold of for return, and just, but yet trusting God and taking that faith opportunity. When she said yes, she started experiencing the unstoppable power of God, just like Kim and I did and our kids did when we said yes to that moment of stepping out and trusting God for the impossible. You'll never experience the unstoppable power of God until you step into the unknown and you follow the little whisper of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice how did Elijah speak to the woman? Did he swell up and go, I'm the prophet of God. You'll do what I say. No. Did he use his masculinity to somehow try to manipulate this, you know, frail widow? No, he didn't do that either. He just simply asked, hey, would you consider doing what you are going to do, but just put God first by feeding me? He just asked. It was as if the Holy Spirit came and he whispered into that woman's ear that day. Just like the Holy Spirit whispered into the heart of Kim and I when we launched into Valdez. And because this woman heard the whisper of God, she obeyed it. She started to experience the unstoppable power of God. Now, if you want to see that happen, we need to follow some of the things that, that this woman does for us. we got to follow the woman because she denied herself as she put God's agenda first. She surrendered what she had 
She surrendered it all. And she goes, I'll put God's agenda first. I don't know how it's going to work out. It doesn't make any sense to me. The last time the flower jar ran empty, I had to go to the store and buy it. I've got no money and there's no flour and there's no crops because there's a drought. So I don't understand it, but I'll take that radical step of faith. And I'm telling you guys, when God presents an opportunity to take a step of faith, if you think you know what the next step is going to look like and where you're going to land, it's not a step of faith. It's that I'm going to walk into the unknown. I'm going to walk out of my comfort zone. That is to deny myself and to put God's agenda first. She does this for us. It's, it's a wise thing for us to follow if you want to experience the unstoppable power of God. I know this. In this room, there are, there are many of you that you'll never step out in faith like that. You'll always rationalize it in your head, and you will miss. You'll live your entire life, and you'll miss the unstoppable power of God. Will you have a relationship with God? Yes. Will you always wonder, why, where do these amazing stories come from? Yep, you will. The day you start turning off the rational concepts of needing to know where the next big step is, is the day you're going to start saying yes to the unstoppable power of God. When you start to experience the unstoppable power of God, I'm telling you, your relationship with God, it just explodes. It explodes. You don't become some weird, radical woman walking around a village, you know, just believing for all kinds of crazy things. There are people like that, and they're just flat, spiritually weird. But when you start experiencing the true power of God and stepping into some place that you've never been before, it's amazing how God just starts coming alive inside of you. But we also then have to follow this woman, and we have to put our life completely in God's hands. Because you do realize that when she gave up that meal... That was her only hope. I'm going to eat one last meal and then we're going to die. When she gave up that meal, she gave up her life. So the question for you today is this. If you want to say yes to the unstoppable power of God, there's something about your life that God's looking for us to give up. But don't, you don't have to fret and worry about it. All you have to do is do what the woman did. Listen for the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And the next time you're given an opportunity to exercise faith, Put it, your life in God's hands and let God do something that's extraordinary for you. This woman, she had to push past her immediate hunger pains. You got to imagine, right? If you only have enough food for one more meal, you didn't, that just didn't like sneak up on you. That just didn't just come out of nowhere and just all of a sudden go, whoa, man, we are out of flour and out of oil. You guys understand what that would look like. I mean, the pantry is getting lower and lower and lower and fewer and fewer options. And now we're down to the flour and the oil and we've been rationing it out, right? From full all the way down to empty. They may have skipped a day or two. They have literally felt hunger pain. In America, we don't really know what true hunger pain is, right? Because we eat, oh, it's time to get up, time to eat a meal. Hey, it's 1130 or it's 12 o'clock. It's time to eat a meal. It's not about being hungry. It's about what time of the day it is. Oh, it's like six o'clock. Time to eat a meal. Are you hungry? No, it's just six o'clock. It's time to eat supper or dinner or whatever it is you call it. Right? Hey, what? It's 830. It's time to eat ice cream or eight o'clock, right? Because Sonic half price shakes just went on. True story, last night I wanted, a, I wanted a shake and I drive by and I pull up to the little thing and I look at it and I go, oh man, it's seven o'clock. I don't think I want to pay full price for that shake. So I did what everybody would do. I drove over to Menards and walked around for an hour and came back at eight. Got my shake. That's a true story. 
Like we don't, we don't eat because we're hungry. We eat because it's the right time to eat. We don't know what this woman felt. I mean, it's for, there, there might be a couple of us in this room, but to really know what the hunger is, she had to push past physical hunger, pain, to say yes to God. I'm going to say this to you guys. If you're going to take big steps of faith to experience the unstoppable power of God, you're going to have to push past pain. And when you say yes, it might cause a little extra pain. She had to wait longer to eat while she watched the prophet eat. Amazing. Kim and I, we faced opposition when we said yes to that first ministry opportunity. I remember my supervisor pulling me into his office and pointing his finger at me and just going, you're just not being responsible with your family. I can't believe this. You're leaving this job, and what are you going to do for health care for your kids? And where's the next paycheck going to come from? And how are you going to pay for your car payment? And how are you going to even provide for a house? you got nothing, man. You're, just, you're going to this place with this a pipe dream. I remember that. I remember the conversations of good, godly people in church who pulled me aside with all kinds of incredible intentions to try to convince me that you're going to a place of nothing. Why don't you wait for a church that can actually pay you? Great intentions, wrong heart. Great intentions, but a lack of understanding that when you're walking in obedience to God, God provides supernaturally. And you just have to know, you're going to have to push past that. People are going to come against you, and you're going to have to have a clear, very clear understanding and a conviction that God is unstoppable. Or other people are going to get in the way, good intended people, and they're going to divert you every time from experiencing the unstoppable power of God in your life. You've got to have that conviction on the inside. You've got to hold on. You've got to say, but I know that I know I, I have to give up this flour and oil. I have to give, walk through this pain. Otherwise, I'm not being obedient to God. That woman really gives us a great example of what it looks like to say yes to a faith opportunity and then to experience the miraculous. But there's more to the story. So let's finish it for the sake of time. It says in, uh, chap- in chapter 17, verse 17, it says that sometime later the woman's son became sick. Right? He grew worse and worse, and finally he what? He died. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and to kill my son? But Elijah replied, Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms. He carried him up, to, up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and he laid the boy on the bed. Then Elijah did what? He cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy? Key word. Why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself over the child. How many times? How many times? Three times. And he cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and uh, the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room, and he gave him to his mother. He said, look, he said, your son is alive. Another key thing to know if you want to experience the power of, of an unstoppable God, then you must not give up in the tragic. This woman went from the urgent to the tragic. I mean, she went from hunger to death. Zarephath, it was on the ocean, the Mediterranean Sea. All right, so the crops are dry and there's no rain. That doesn't mean you can't throw a net into the water and bring a fish. 
So in her mind's eye, she thinks to herself, this is the last that I have. This is the last that I can do. It doesn't mean that some fisherman isn't going to show up on the shore later that day with a boat full of fish and they're going to eat some fish. You know what I'm saying? But she moves from the urgent to the tragic. And if you've never had the tragic happen in your life, then many times you think the urgent is the tragic. Many times that's the way you perceive life. Like, this is the worst it could ever get. No, the urgent is totally different than the tragic. The tragic is when the son is dead, there's no pulse, he's laying there limp in her arms. That's the tragic. And I want you to know something today. God is truly unstoppable. He can sustain you in the true urgent, and he can, and he can provide for you even in the tragic. Notice this. That God's provision, though, isn't like a liability policy. Like this woman, she sees God's provision in the food, but then her son dies. Her son dies. So because God chose to display his unstoppable power once, it doesn't mean that you get to live now trouble-free. That's not, that's not the unstoppable power of God. Just because God moves in your life doesn't mean that everything now is going to be trouble-free. In fact, God challenges us, even in the tragic, to have faith in him. See, because faith, it's not a license to control God's heart. Faith is the opportunity, it's a gift to join God. And many times in, in a church perspective, we get that confused. We think that if we have enough faith, we'll convince God to do what we need done. But that's our will. We're asking God to join our will. Faith is us joining God's will. It's a gift for us to join God, not a license to control God. So never make this mistake that the silence of God is the absence of God. Never make that mistake. Like this woman, she's like, man, what is going on here? Why, what have you come here to do, right? Have you come here to expose my sin and to take away my son? Like where is God in this entire equation? And I want to give you a warning for a moment. This woman thought that the tragedy was coming to her because of her sin. She says to the prophet, right, is this happening to me? And have you come here to expose my sin and to take my son? And unfortunately, when we go through the tragic moments, I've even heard people in the church say to other believers, oh, you're going through that tragedy because most likely there's sin in your life. And I just want to caution you with that statement very quickly right now. And I want to say to you, don't ever let those words escape out of the mouth that sits on top of your shoulders. Because those are hurtful, painful words to have someone else say. And by the way, that puts you in the position of the judge. And I don't think that you are the judge, like I'm not the judge, and I don't think that you have the license to do that. Only God knows why the tragedy happens. Even Elijah didn't know why the tragedy was happening to the woman. Our job is to show compassion. Our job is to come along and figure out how we can be a part with faith to bring healing to the tragedy, to bring healing to the urgent need. Just like Elijah did, he came along and he goes, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people, but I'm gonna take your need to the Lord. That's our response. Our response in seeing an unstoppable, powerful God move is to take people's urgent and tragic needs to the Lord. One of the secrets in life, though, is this, holding on to the unstoppable power of God even when you're going through the tragic and the urgent. So here's Elijah, right? He doesn't understand what's going on, but he had enough faith to believe in the unstoppable power of God, so he prays for the kid. How many times again, remember? Three times. Now, go to a human side for a moment. What do you think it was like the first time he prayed 
and the kid lays there lifeless? How many of us have ever prayed for someone and nothing happened? We prayed once and we were like, well, I guess, I guess nothing's going to happen. And Elijah goes, I'm going to pray again. And he prays again for the boy. And just think with me for a moment. What's going through his head? What's going through his heart? When he comes back up from that prayer and nothing has happened now for the second time. And he hears mom wailing downstairs while he's upstairs in this non-insulated ancient home. And then he goes, I'm going to pray again. You imagine the kind of like what's going on inside of him, right? As he goes to pray a third time. Wow, what faith he exercised that day. God moved in a powerful way. And I'm telling you that God can move in a powerful way towards your urgent and your tragic needs that you're facing right now. We're going to do this in all of our venues, in North Platte and here in Kearney. We're going to sing one more song. And during this one song of exhortation to an unstoppable, powerful God, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to exercise faith and make a decision today. Can I trust God with my urgent and my tragic need? Am I willing to give up my life like the woman gave up the last meal? Am I willing to give it up like, God, I'll give up anything. I'll give it up. I'll give all of it up. God, I'll put you first See the unstoppable power of God move. I will exercise faith today just so that I can see you move in a powerful way. Know this, God wants us to exercise faith so that mountains move in our life so that he gets the glory. God wants to work the miraculous in your life so that people see him. Our hearts need to be in a place not of the desperateness for the mountain to move, but for the world to see the glory of God in the situations of our life. So why don't you stand with me and let's pray today as we move into this last song. Father, we join with you in Jesus' name to trust you for the impossible to happen. Lord, we want to exercise great faith today. Your word says all we have to do is exercise the faith the size of a mustard seed, so small, so small, but according to your will that we would see the unstoppable power of God moving in our midst. Lord, would you, would you help us to say yes to you today? Would you inspire and encourage us through this very sermon and through the move of your spirit here today? Would you help us to stay consistent even in the tragic of trusting you and the urgent of trusting you? Lord, so that you can move the miraculous in our life. And in the end, will we be people that will point the glory back to you? May we use the stories of the miraculous in our life to win the lost back to Jesus Christ and to win the hearts of people back into relationship with you. Lord, we pray these things and we trust them in the powerful, mighty name, the unstoppable name of Jesus.